Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Come on, come on, come on. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to Church Online. What's going on, everybody? Come on now. Let's go. Happy, happy Sunday. We're so happy that you're tuning in to Church Online. Shout out to the worship team. That's a brand new song that we released this week called This Is Our Story. It is streaming everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, of course, YouTube. Man, do us a favor. Share it. Listen to it. Uh, we really believe it's going to encourage you in this time. I'm so proud of our worship team. And because it's release week, I say, you guys got to come get in the studio with me. I have been getting tired of preaching this room completely alone. And so here they are in the flesh. We're grateful for you guys and just love this song that came out this week. Please go and get it. I want to welcome everybody, man. I don't know where you're watching from. YouTube Live, what's up over there? Facebook Live, all my friends at church online, voochurch.com. Come on, in the chats. Just give me the praying hands. Come on, moderators. Come on. Light it up in the chat. Light it up. Light it up. Light it up. Praying hands. I'm believing that the Lord has a word for all of us today. And as a church, we are now in week 11 of quarantine. And I keep saying it this way. Our physical doors are closed. But Voo Church, it is open. The word is going forth. We're finding new ways to connect with people, new ways to encourage people. One of the ways is right here on my chest. That's my cell phone number, 305-501-1890. Shoot me a text. I'd love to connect with you, even throughout this message, throughout this week. Uh, we wanna be praying for you, however we can help. That's the whole goal here, is to try to stay connected with our community. Well, today is week six of our collection, The Story You Tell Yourself. And if you can believe it, we have come to a final message. This is our final installment, week six. Everyone say week six, week six. Week six, week six, week six, hard one to say, week six. But we've been talking about the story you tell yourself. Well, it determines the life that you live. We believe in mindsets and paradigms and narratives and the things that we confess. Well, many times they create the world that we're living in. And I wanna turn your attention today, 2 Corinthians chapter one. And as we get ready to read, I don't know where you're joining from. I don't know if you're at your house right now with your family. Uh, maybe you're actually watching on a mobile device. Maybe you're listening to this in the days to come, you're driving on I-95, I don't know. But if you're able right now, I would say get rid of all the distractions. If you can put your cell phone down, if you're not watching it there, put it down, get your family together. In fact, even right there, if you're streaming, there's a link for our crew discussion. This is um, extra resources to help you study God's word, but also to create discussions. Maybe even today after your house, after you get done consuming this content, you take some time for conversation. We actually believe that sermons don't really change people. Conversations change people. And so I just wanna help be a catalyst to a, maybe a crucial conversation you need to have in your home after this message. We want you to participate. Here's what I know. The more you engage with this word today, the more you're gonna receive from this word. So let's lean in, let's focus, let's get our Bibles out. Come on, chat, everybody say engage. Just in the chat right now, engage. This is a word for some people today. Second Corinthians chapter one, Starting in verse three, Paul writes this. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope, someone say our hope. Our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Look at verse eight with me. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. And if you've got a Bible, underline that right there in your Bible. In fact, put that in the chat right there, the sentence of death. I wanna lean into that towards the end of this message. But this happened. Ooh. 
but this happened. What comes after your but? What follows the conjunction? But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Somebody said amen out there. I believe this text and this scripture, I believe it's good news. I believe it's gonna bring you encouragement today for whatever it is that you're facing. Because today on part six of our collection, I wanna preach to you from the theme, you'll live to tell the story. Come on, put that in the chat right now. You'll live to tell the story. Look at your neighbor. I can finally say this again and say, you'll live to tell the story. Look at your neighbor that you, you like even, you don't like as much. That would be this way and say, you'll live to tell the story. <laughs> Church jokes. I don't know if they work online, but we're gonna try them anyways. You'll live to tell the story. That, that's the word I believe the Lord gave me for you today. And I wanted to start today by looking at a portion of scripture written by the apostle Paul because I think he's a beautiful case study as we close out this collection. Paul was quite familiar with adversity. Right now we're going through COVID-19 and this has been a difficult time for so many people. Let me tell you, Paul understands difficulty. Paul was no stranger to pain and to suffering. You can read the accounts of Paul and he went through some hard stuff. He was shipwrecked one time. Uh, two different accounts of him being stoned almost half to death, meaning they took rocks and they hurled them at his body. He writes about being beaten with rods. He talks about being hungry, about going to prison. Paul was no stranger to suffering. In fact, I have to believe there must have been many moments in Paul's life where he said, man, I wonder if I'll live to tell this story. And even if Paul did come to the conclusion that he would live to tell the story. I have to wonder, did he ever question what story he would tell? Because sometimes he could have been tempted to tell a story of resentment towards God. He could have talked about the fact that God left him and that God put him into pain and put him into trials. Or would he tell another story, a different story, a story of God's faithfulness, a story of God's love, a story of God's mercy? Well, we know that Paul was maybe the greatest contributor to the New Testament. He wrote most of the New Testament. And over and over again, what we discover about Paul is that Paul, he did live to tell the story. And the story that he told was not his, but rather a story of God, a story of God's goodness, a story of God's mercy. Come on, you'll live to tell the story. But as I examine Paul's life, what I've seen that's become so clear in my life is that one of the things that Paul continued to practice is that rather than just ask why to his situation, to his hardship, and just leave it there and not know why things happened, Paul always defined the why. And the way that he defined the why is he always put Christ at the center of his why. In fact, this is what I want us to lean into today because many of us right now are going through a moment and our knee-jerk reaction is to say, why did this happen? I know I've asked that question. Well, why did COVID-19 happen? Why have I not seen my friends? Why have we been quarantined for 11 weeks now? Some of you might be asking questions like, why have I lost my job? Why have I lost income? Some of you might even be much deeper right now. Why have I lost loved ones? Why did I get sick? Why has my marriage gone through turmoil? We continue to ask why, but the way that we answer the why gives us major insight into our perspective. Remember, we're talking about perspectives and narratives. My outlook so often determines my outcome. How do you answer the question why? When suffering comes, when pain comes, when hardship comes, the way you answer why, well, that's gonna frame your entire story. In fact, I wanna do a little exercise today. I've got two of my good friends, Zach Freeman, Ashley Lindor, huge parts of our worship team. Come on, right now in the chats, just give some love to these guys. Give them the, 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 the applaud hands. Those are always really fun, right? The, uh, the applause hands. We love these guys, but I, I wanna use both of you guys for a moment because what I wanna do is I, I wanna illustrate for people at home that so often when we go through things, we start asking why. why. I mean, this can be on major things, this can be on small stuff, but the way that we answer the why gives us an indication into our perspective and the story we ultimately tell, well, it's gonna determine the life that we're gonna live. And so for a moment, 
I hate to do this to you, Zach, but I'm gonna have you illustrate what I call a condemned centered why. I know, what a bummer, bro, I apologize. But this is what so many of us do. We have this condemnation. It becomes self-absorbed. It blames God. It takes on a victim mentality as we've been talking about throughout the past couple of weeks. So I'm gonna be the voice in your head and you're gonna out loud say why. All you gotta do is ask, you just gotta say why. I'm gonna say a statement, you just say why. But I wanna show people sometimes the way our mindset goes and the way our narratives go, okay? So um, Zach, man, whew, man, whew. week 11, bro, of quarantine. Why? Uh, well, because we're, we're, we're practicing social distancing, haven't you heard? Why? Well, because there was this thing uh, called a pandemic known as COVID-19. Why? Well, because the more connected we are, the scientists tell us, uh, the more we become susceptible to getting sick. Why? Oh, because human beings are frail and we're prone to getting sickness and prone to getting disease. Come on. Why? Oh, because the world's broken and pretty jacked up. Why? Well, I don't really know, but you probably should ask God. I mean, I think he's the one that have created it. Why? Well, I, I don't know, man. If he's real, that's a good question to ask him. Why? Well, because if he is real and this is happening, I don't think he's good. Why? Well, because how could bad stuff be happening to me if he's good? Why? Well, because bro, I right now have lost my job and I'm social distancing. I haven't seen my friends forever. That doesn't sound like a good God. Why? Okay. I want you to see really quick where this goes over and over and over again. We begin to blame God for our situations and our circumstances. And what we begin to project over and over again is that God is bad. Why? Because we equate bad things happening in our life to God and his nature and his character being bad. When we do this, we always bring condemnation, judgment, and ultimately resentment up in our lives. And we tell a wrong story. What we have to learn how to do is we have to learn how to counter our why and put Christ at the center, have a faith-centered why. And so Ash, I don't know, I feel like you're faith-filled. I just feel like you, I love your worship leading. By the way, I just think I see Proverbs 31 all over you right now. Come on, in the chat right now, just put Ashley's a Proverbs 31 woman. By the way, she's single. Rich, don't do this to me right now. It's okay, I'm, you don't get to talk, I get to talk. Okay, we're gonna do the same exact exercise, but you're gonna have a Christ-centered why. You're gonna have a faith-centered why. And ultimately faith is believing in the impossible. And it's ultimately putting Christ at the center of the story. So let's just do the same exercise. I'm the voice in your head, which is you. And you're gonna ask why. So Ash, we're in a week 11 of quarantine. Why? Uh, because we're practicing social distancing. Why? Because we're in a global pandemic. Why? Because research tells us that the closer that we are, the more susceptible we are to getting sick. Why? Uh, because the world's broken. Why? Uh, because man fell from God's grace and God's perfect plan. Why? Uh, ultimately, because man has a pride issue, a sin issue. Why? Well, I don't actually know the entire why to that, but God so loves us that he sent his son Jesus to save us. Why? Because he loves us and his mercies are new every morning. Why? Because even when we fail, God's faithful. Why? Because it's his nature and it's his character. Why? Because although bad things happen, God is still good. But why? I want you to see this. See, you continue to go. What happens is, is that you begin to see the nature and the character of God, that although bad things are happening to me, God's not the cause of those things, but rather God at times has allowed suffering. We remember in week one of our collection, that's my story and I'm sticking to it, that this is a God story first and foremost. And because of you and I, our sin has left this world broken. And now we're dealing with a broken earth, a broken world. And so pain comes, challenges come, but you and I, when we don't understand what's happening and we ask the question why, we must make a decision not to have a condemned fear-based centered why, but rather a Christ faith-centered why. And over and over again, when I study the apostle Paul, he does this in such a beautiful way that I thought this was the best way to, to finish our collection. Because I know this, that we're going to get through COVID-19, but there's going to be other challenges. There's going to be other pain. There's going to be other crises that we have to go through. And every time you're tempted to ask the question why, you must put Christ back at the center. When you put Christ at the center, I want to encourage you today. You're going to live to tell the story. Come on, put it in the chat. I'm gonna live to tell the story. In fact, at your house right now, I want you to prophesy over yourself. Say, I'm gonna live to tell the story. This too shall pass. I will remain. I'm gonna live to tell the story. Now, the apostle Paul, he has lots of principles and practices that he did in his life, but I just wanna show you three from the text. The first thing that the apostle Paul was great at is he was a person of persistent praise. 
Come on, write that right now in the chat. Persistent praise, persistent praise. Luke Barry, help me out. I, I grew up in old school church and I used to like it when people would read the text for the preacher. And because I got you guys up here, I'm gonna use you, but go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter one and read verse three. I just want us to look at that first verse because this is important of what Paul does. Praise be to God, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Okay, I don't know if you heard it, but right there at the very beginning, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's actually in a place where he's coming back from suffering. He had a failure in Asia, but as he is in a place of suffering, what he's doing now is he's comforting the people in Corinth. And the way that he comforts them is by giving them a command. The first command he says is praise. He's like throwing this out there, praise God. Give God praise. This is how he starts, that in every season, in all different types of terrain, Praise is always a good thing to do. Why? Because praise shifts your perspective. There are two times to praise God, when you feel like it and when you don't. In fact, I actually believe some of the best times to praise God are in your hardest moments. I think praise sounds better, not on the mountaintop, but I think praise sounds the best deep in the valley of suffering, deep in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm gonna keep on praising God. Why? Because praise by definition is the act of giving approval or admiration of anything, of someone, of something. So I want you to consider that. When I'm praising God, what I'm doing is, is I'm giving God approval and I'm admiring God. Now, let, let's be careful. I wanna make sure we got good theology here. God does not need my approval does not need my approval at all. Although he doesn't need it, I believe it blesses him. God doesn't even need my admiration, but I believe that when I admire him, he loves it. But I want you to see both of these worlds, admiration and approval. Ultimately, when I start praising God, and this is how he starts, he says, praise be to God the father of all comfort. What he is saying is, is that as you lift your hands and as you sing and as you give worship to God, you are magnifying God. You're giving God praise. And ultimately you're saying, God, I approve. What do I approve of? Not just the good stuff, but even the bad stuff, even the difficult stuff, even the things that I don't wanna be in, even the things that I'm looking at right now. I'm saying, I don't know why that's happening in my life, but I'm gonna trust that God, although bad stuff is happening, you remain good. Your nature is good. Your character is good. So I can praise you in all seasons, in all circumstances. But I'm also giving admiration to God. Admiration is the act of standing in awe. It's the opposite of being familiar with God. You know, I believe this. Familiarity breeds contempt. And our faith suffers greatly when you and I become familiar with God. In fact, that's one of the great I think problems right now of church online. I love church online. I'm not hating on church online. I'm thankful that today we can come to you by way of live stream into your home and we can be chatting and interacting. But just listen to me, if we're not careful, it's so easy in this stage right now just to kind of tune in, check out 19 different churches, find a couple tweets that we like, find a couple Instagram posts and say, that's what my faith is. You gotta be very, very careful because if, if you continue to do that, it can develop a familiarity. It can develop a consumer mindset mindset of what, what can I get from God as opposed to how can I praise God? How can I admire God? How can I stand in awe of God? And when you worship God, it shifts your perspective. It reminds you of how big God is and how small you are. This is why the psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. What is he saying? He's saying that when I praise God, I'm actually magnifying God. You see, praise, it magnifies God. And as you magnify God, it minimizes your problems. I want to stand in awe of who God is. Who is God that he is mindful of man? My God, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are bigger than my ways. The fact that he loves me, the fact that he has a plan for me, I admire him, therefore I praise him. Not just in the good times, but even in the bad times. Not just when I feel like it, but even when I don't feel like it. There's a story in Luke chapter four about Jesus in his own hometown. And it is a story that's always troubled me. Jesus is in his own hometown. And when he gets there, the people say, hey, isn't that the carpenter's son? 
What are they doing? They're putting a label on Jesus. And because they put a label on Jesus, the carpenter's son, it limits their faith. This is what happens to a lot of us. Sometimes we can kind of go through our stories in our life and we think we know all about God. We think we know all about Jesus. Well, the story says in Luke chapter four that because they put this label on him, they didn't believe he was the son of God. They just simply saw him as the carpenter's son. The scripture actually says that Jesus was unable to do many miracles. I'm telling you that familiarity with God limits your faith. And when your faith is limited, I'm telling you, supernatural power begins to stop. The way that you rip the limit off, the way that you rip the lid off is through the act of praise. And Paul starts his letter and he says, I can, I'm about to tell you about some of the stuff I've been going through. I'm about to tell you some stuff that I don't know the exact why it happened, but I want to start this letter with some persistent praise. Let's give God some praise because when you praise, I'm telling you what, praise more, worry less. The more I praise, the less I worry. Put that in the chat right now. Praise more, worry less. The more I praise, the less I worry. The more I praise, the less I worry. Do you got a worry problem? Maybe you don't have a worry problem. Maybe you have a praise problem. If you would learn to praise God, what you would understand is that your praise is a problem for your problem. Because when I start praising God, my perspective begins to shift. Worry begins to leave my life. I understand my God is big, my God is great, and although bad stuff might be happening, my God remains good. My God remains faithful. My God remains true. Come on, somebody, give God some praise in this place. Persistent praise. Praise God. It's always a good time to praise God. From the mountaintop is good. From the valley is even better. When I'm facing hell and high water, I keep on praising God. This has to be a practice of your life. I've been watching that, um, that Bulls documentary. In fact, last Sunday, I don't know if you're out there, but last Sunday they finished this documentary. You guys have got to see it if you haven't seen it. Have you seen this yet? Shame on you, Zach Freeman. We're going to pray for him at the end of this broadcast, but... It's a documentary, it's a 10-part documentary. It finished last Sunday about Michael Jordan and the 1998 Chicago Bulls. It's called The Last Dance. And I have been glued to the television. Um, I grew up, man, I'm a Michael Jordan fan. In fact, I know I'm gonna mess the chats up right now, but like, come on, who, who's the GOAT? Come on, just tell me who the GOAT is. Is it LeBron or is it Michael? Oh man, the spirit's leaving, the spirit's leaving. Look, at people are divided. The house is divided, the church is divided. The house divided cannot stand. People are getting upset right now. Who's the GOAT? I wanna see it, I wanna... LeBron, really? I love you, LeBron, but I'm telling you what, it's my sermon, it's my microphone. Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Hence, there's a 10-part documentary on ESPN right now called The Last Dance, and it has been changing my life. That's another message for another time. But when I was a little boy, they show it over and over again in the documentary. They had the best like pregame. Before they would go out to the game, the team would huddle up and they would get together and they would get in, and someone would get in the center and they would say, what time is it? I get pumped just talking about it. I'm gonna get hyped, you know? What time is it? And the whole team would shout back, it's game time. I just like that. What time is it? It's game time. Can I be honest with you? Uh, For the Christian, for the believer out there, for the person who has a Christ-centered why, for the person who I wanna prophesy over today, you'll live to tell the story. I wanna ask you a question, what time is it? But your response is not, it's game time. No, instead, what time is it? It's praise time. It is always good to praise God. Learn how to praise God when things are good. But come on, praise God when things are bad. Praise God when the market's bullish. But praise God when the market is bearish. Praise God when things are up. Praise God when things are down. Praise God in health, but praise God in sickness. Of course, praise God in life. But you better praise God even in death because my God is good in all sickness. Come on, somebody, give him some praise. It was persistent praise. He continued to praise God. You say, Rich, I'm waiting on a miracle. I'm waiting on a breakthrough. Okay, praise God even while you're waiting. Until he opens the next door, just praise him in the hallway. Keep on praising. We would worry less if we would praise God more. Well, how do I know? Because Paul answers the why. Well, why should I praise God? Paul says it, because he is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Ooh, I like that word right now. Right there in the chat, just say all comfort, just all comfort, all comfort. God's got all sorts of comfort for you. 
Why do I praise God? Because when I praise God, watch this, his comfort hits my life. Why is this happening? I don't exactly know. Let me praise God. Because when I start to praise God, my perspective shifts and his comfort hits my life. And now I start answering my why, not with a condemned, fear-filled why, but rather a Christ-centered why, faith-filled why. The God of all comfort. I don't know what you find comfortable. I got these slippers at my house right now. And uh, in the mornings when I wake up, I put these slippers on and they're so comfortable. And I got this chair that I've had in my house since the day I was married. I, I picked it up at Dillard's. This is back in 2006. And it's this leather chair. And everybody in my house says, that's Rich's chair. And so I get my slippers on and I go and I sit down in my comfortable chair. And it's my little, it's my little safe haven. It's my little place of comfort. I just, I'm telling you what, it's like, it's where I find comfort. What if I told you God's got better comfort than that lazy boy chair, better comfort than those slippers? Maybe you're at your house right now and you've been quarantined and all you're dreaming about is that vacation. That's cool. I want you to go on vacation. We all need a vacation after quarantine. But I want to remind you that whatever vacation you go on, it will pale in comparison to the comfort that God has available to you. Some of you are like, I can't wait to get back to my favorite restaurant. I'm all about restaurants. I'm a foodie. Shout out to all the foodies. Come on, where are the foodies at in the chat? I love food. I love eating. I love going out and being with people. But I'm just want, I want to remind you right now that God is more satisfying than any piece of food that you will consume. He has more comfort than all of it. Maybe you're longing uh, right now and you're in a place right now and you're trying to cope. And some people out there, we cope with different things. and We self-medicate with different things. We drink or we do drugs and we think it's bringing us comfort. I want you to know God has comfort for you that is far better than any drug or any sip of alcohol. He is the God of all comfort. Who comforts us what? In all our trouble. Woo! There's a word for somebody. It turns out everything. Someone said that in the chat. Everything. Come on right here. Everyone say everything. everything. It turns out everything is better with Jesus. Not just mountaintops, not just success, not just victories, not just when I win. That's great to celebrate with Jesus, but it turns out that everything is better with Jesus. Even trouble, even pain is better with Jesus. Heartbreak, betrayal, loss of life, death, sickness, I don't know, COVID-19, better with Jesus. But the way that I'm reminded of that is when I persistently praise him when I give God glory it shifts my perspective you're going to live to tell the story but if you're going to tell the story get good at praising God not just when things are good but when things are bad what time is it it's time to praise God it's praise time that's what time it is and Paul he begins his writing just by saying praise God just praise God he's about to give a list of all the stuff that he went through but he's like you know what? I don't know why all that happened but praise God Praise God, praise God. Number one, persistent praise. You're gonna to live to tell the story, but number two, you have to be okay with being used. This sounds a little interesting. It's like, what do you mean by that being used? Well, I'm actually talking about being used by, by God. Paul was okay with being used by God. And Luke, help me out. Second Corinthians uh, chapter one, let's go to verse, uh, verse four. Can we start there in verse four? Read all the way through verse seven. And I'll tell you where to stop, but 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 through 7. If you're at home right now, crew discussion guide out, family all watching, leaning in, engaged, listen to the greatest uh, voiceover voice in the business, Luke Berry. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, mm. so also you <laughs> share in our comfort. Okay, watch this. Right there in verse four. So that, why does God comfort us? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So we're answering the question why all throughout our scripture today. Why do we praise God? Because when I praise God, it brings comfort. Well, why does God comfort us? Here we go. So that you can comfort other people. 
This to me is, is a revelation people have got to get, especially those that want to have a Christ-centered why. God comforts you so you can comfort others. That's what Paul's saying. Paul is actually saying, yo, man, like we have endured so much suffering. We have gone through so much pain. But actually what we have got a revelation on is that all of that suffering has now welled up in a way that we can now comfort you. In fact, I wrote it down this week in my journal and I want you to get this. Find something to write this down with. The more suffering flows into our lives, the more comfort overflows out of our lives. This is very, very big that you see this. This is what it means to have a Christ-centered why. That I recognize, wait a minute, the more pain I go through, well, I went through that pain so that I could simply bring healing to somebody else. I've got some way to teach. I've got some way to give wisdom. I've learned from my failure. I've learned from my pain. God says, no, I comfort you. Why? So you can comfort other people. I, I don't know if God has a favorite game. And I don't even know if God plays games. It's kind of dangerous <laughs> and risky to start saying that God plays games. But if God does play games, ladies and gentlemen, I think God's favorite game has to be the game tag. Y'all remember tag? Y'all play tag? Tag was like, tag was the best. Like, I don't think we're allowed to tag each other right now because I think like, I don't think that's like allowed during quarantine, but let's just, the way tag would happen is I would come and I would, I would tag Ashley. And then as soon as I tag Ashley, now Ashley's it. And then Ashley would go and then tag Zach and then Zach becomes it. By the way, I don't feel comfortable with calling people it. That sounds like a 2020 thing, right? That there would be a whole entire group of people that are like, we're done with the game tag. You can't call people it. But either which way, you would become it, then you would have it, and then you'd pass it to Manny. I don't know if God plays games, but if God does play games, I got a feeling his favorite game has to be the game tag. Why? Because that's what God does. We're going through suffering. And what does God do? God tags us with comfort. But the moment he tags us with comfort, it's that we might go and tag somebody else with his comfort. So Luke is in pain and Luke is suffering. What does Luke do? Luke begins to sing out and he starts singing, this is your story. This is our story. He starts worshiping God. He starts giving God praise. And as he gives God praise, his perspective begins to shift. And all of a sudden, God begins to get bigger. His problems get smaller. And before you know it, his life is overflowing with comfort, but he doesn't just keep all that comfort for himself. He goes and finds Manny. Manny's going through a season of depression. Manny's going through a season of heartache. And now Luke has been in God's presence. And now Luke comes over and he tags Manny and he shares some of that comfort. Manny gets that comfort, says, whoa, where'd that comfort come from? Luke's like, that comfort came from God. And Manny says, yo, this is changing my life. This is encouraging me, but I'm not just gonna keep this for myself. I see my friend Zach over here and Zach just lost a loved one and he's grieving and he's going through suffering and he doesn't know how to get through this cycle. And he's asking the question, why God, why is this happening? But God sends a miracle in the form of Manny. And Manny comes over here and he tags him and says, yo, I got some comfort for you. I got some encouragement for you. And the tag just keeps happening. I want to tell our church, tag Vu church, you're it. You got the comfort. Go and share it with somebody else. God has comforted you that you might comfort somebody else but you gotta be okay with being used by God. Cause it sounds nice. Yeah, I wanna be used by God, but then you start getting used by God. You're like, That's, that hurt. I see it happen all the time in church. God, use me. God, I want you to use me. And then God uses you and you're like, I feel used. Right, that, that's what you prayed for, that God would, would use you, that it wouldn't be about you, that it'd be about God and his story. It's his story. You know, I like what Paul says because Paul gets into it and he's very, very descriptive. And he begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to have Luke read it really quick there because we've been talking about this a lot as a church too. Like, we're not just trying to avoid reality. This message is not to say like, hey, forget reality. No, you have to actually face reality, face the facts. But as I said a few weeks ago, you face the facts with faith, with faith. What is faith? Faith is being sure of what I hope for, certain of what I do not see. Even when I can't specifically answer the question why, I can come back and say, I, I don't exactly know, but I know God remains to be good. This is faith in action. And notice there's a word right there, Luke. I want you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I want everyone to see this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. Can you stop right there? We do not want you to be uninformed, my brothers. So he's writing to this church in Corinth who's facing suffering, who's facing difficulties, and he starts out by saying, praise God. When you praise God, that comfort's gonna come. But he's comforted you for a reason. He's comforted you that you might share it to other people. And now he's gonna begin to describe 
what he himself has gone through. So he said, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to miss out on the fact that I've gone through some pain. I've gone through some struggles. He's not putting the pain underneath the rug. He's exposing the pain, but as he exposes the pain, he's doing it for a reason that he might get them to face the reality, but face the reality with faith. Continue to read if you don't mind. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. So, so there's two words that show up there that I see that happens to believers. If you're going to be used by God, which means that you're going to be a leader, that you're going to step into the role of serving people, you must understand over and over again that there's going to be hardships to suffer and there's going to be pressures to endure. This is how it works. Hardships to suffer, pressures to endure. And that's what he's laying out. But write this down today because you've got to get this revelation. Are you okay with being used by God? Because if you're okay with being used by God, you must understand this truth. Write this down. Following Jesus is not the elimination of suffering, but rather it is the addition of his comfort. I'm gonna say it one more time because I wanna make sure you get this. Write this down. Following Jesus is not the elimination of suffering, but rather it is the addition of his comfort. It's almost like suffering and comfort are a two-sided coin that I, I can't get the comfort until I first go through the suffering. It was Dolly Parton who said, uh, if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. Shout out to Dolly Parton. But it's true. It's like, I, we all want rainbows in our life, but we don't want rain. Well, the rainbow follows the rain. Comfort follows suffering. And as leaders, Paul's going, I don't want you to be uninformed. I'm calling you to serve. I'm calling you to be used by God. And if you're gonna be used by God, there's constantly gonna be hardships to suffer and pressures to endure. There's constantly gonna be suffering, loss, struggles, betrayal, persecution. There's gonna be pressures. Man, when you're trying to lead, there's division, there's grumbling, there's complaining, there's backstabbers. And you're gonna to have to learn how to respond with the correct why. You're gonna to have to define the why. You're gonna to have to put Christ at the center of it. You're gonna to have to activate your faith. The question is really simple. Are you okay with being used by God? Some of you right now have been praying, God, use me. God, I want to be a part of your story. And God is inviting you into his story by allowing you to walk through suffering. But now that you're facing suffering, you think, where is God? God must have left me. And God is actually saying, no, I'm using this to answer your prayer because I'm bringing the suffering into your life that comfort might well up. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. Believers believe, but disciples do. What do disciples do? Well, we understand that we've been saved to what? To serve people. I'm blessed to what? To be a blessing to people. Gratitude wells up in generosity. I have been forgiven. Now I forgive. I have been set free. Why? So I can free. I have been healed. So what? So I can heal other people. Paul was able to have the right perspective with every one of his problems because he was persistent in his praise, but he was always okay with being used by God. He understood that being used by God didn't always lead to popularity. Being used by God didn't always lead to earthly success. Being used by God wouldn't always lead to becoming richer and healthier, but being used by God at times would lead right into the valley of the shadow of death. But he was okay with it because he knew that God would use it for his glory to write his story. Come on, somebody, put your hands together if you know what I'm talking about right now. I believe it's a word for you. You're gonna to live to tell the story. You're gonna to live to tell the story. The question is, what story are you gonna tell? You can tell a story about resenting God or you're gonna tell a story about a faithful God that even in hardship and even in pressure, he never left you. He was always with you. Paul was constantly okay with being used by God, but lastly, Paul understood how to cancel the death sentence. In fact, right now in the chat, just put that there. Just say, cancel your death sentence. Cancel your death sentence. Can we just spread that right now in the chat? Just say, cancel your death sentence. If you're at home right now with people, just say it out loud. In fact, right here, just cancel your death sentence. Cancel your death sentence. Luke, it gets to a point 
that these pressures and these hardships, they become so big in Paul's life that we see what he says. He gets to the place where he thinks that he's gonna die. Read verse nine for a second. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Look at that. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Paul was in Asia Minor and theologians don't exactly know what took place. We just have this writing here where he describes that he was having a near-death experience, that he felt the death sentence. I do find it amazing that he chooses the word felt. I think Paul was always quite specific in his word choice and always quite specific in the words that he picked to use to write. And he says, we felt a death sentence. Do that feelings are not facts? Do that all feelings aren't even true? In fact, that, that might just heal everybody as we come out of quarantine, as we come out of COVID-19. Please understand that all feelings are not true. You don't have to obey your feelings. Feelings come from thoughts. Thoughts are what? They're narratives, they're stories in our mind. Change the story, change the outcome. Change the story, change the sentence coming out of your mouth. Paul said, we felt the sentence of death. It is a scary place to be when you feel a death sentence. You can be tempted to speak a death sentence. I'm not gonna make it. I quit. Let's get a divorce. Let's move on. Business is never coming back. We've lost too many people. I've made too many mistakes. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm depressed. I'm sick. Nobody can help me. I've, I've done too many bad things. I've made too many mistakes. I, I don't know what's coming out of your mouth, but it's a death sentence. The sentence out of your mouth is a death sentence and it's a story that you are putting out. And that story, it's a feeling that comes from a sentence in your mind. And as you continue to confess it and as you continue to declare it, well, don't be surprised when it becomes true in your life. No, 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 we have to make sure that whenever I feel a death sentence, whenever I think a death sentence, it's important in that moment that what do I do? That I speak, someone say speak. See, when I feel, when I think a death sentence, I must speak a life sentence. You gotta speak out a life sentence. You say, Rich, what's a life sentence? Oh, we got lots of life sentences here at Vu Church. If you don't have a life sentence for your life, you could take one of the life sentences of Vu Church. How about this? I'm not gonna quit. <laughs> How about this? Here's a good life sentence. Every one of my burdens, there's a blessing on the inside of it. My burden is my blessing. It's called a life sentence. You don't have a life sentence? How about this? If you don't quit, you will win, baby. Victory's not given to those that go the hardest. Victory's given to those that go the longest, that don't back down, that get back up. It's called a life sentence. You don't have a life sentence right now? Take one from Boo Church. How about this? The best is yet to come. But Rich, how can you say the best is yet to come? That just sounds like positive thinking. Nah, I'm not preaching mind over matter. I'm preaching faith over unbelief. The best is yet to come. I'm not looking for happily ever after. I've already been promised heaven ever after. It's not a temporary promise. It's an eternal promise. Every time I think a death sentence, every time I feel a death sentence, I get my words out in front of me and I speak a life sentence. How about this, food church? Just keep coming back. This is why we end our church every week. Just keep coming back. If you got nothing left to give, just show back up. Just keep coming back up, man. Half of life, man, is just showing up. Just show up, just get back in God's presence. Just get back in to the house. Just get back in to worship. I don't have a song to sing, but, but maybe M Manny can tag me and maybe his song can inspire my song. And so here I am, I'm praising God again. God, here I am, I feel like I've been used and it hurts and it's difficult, but God, if you can use anything, you can use me. So I open myself up, use me, Lord. 
Oh, I'm feeling the sentence of death. I'm feeling the thoughts of depression. I'm feeling the thoughts of suicide. I'm feeling the thoughts of anxiety. I'm feeling the thoughts that I'm done. But when that happens, I start speaking out a life sentence. No, I'm just gonna keep showing up. No, I'm gonna get back up. The righteous man, he falls seven times, but he gets back up. It's a life sentence. I have a life sentence. What you see that happens to Paul in verse nine, oh, it's good because Paul talks about pressures and he talks about hardships and he doesn't remove any of the facts. He doesn't try to give a fairy tale. He doesn't lie to the people of Corinth. He says it like it is. This is what was happening. Yet there's a conjunction. It's a beautiful one because sometimes you gotta hit rock bottom to discover God is the rock at the bottom. Sometimes I gotta go all the way to ground zero to realize that even in the depths, even in my lowest moment, God was always there. God's at the bottom. Do you feel like you're at the bottom today? I wanna let you know, God's even there. It's what the psalmist said. If I make my bed in the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of the earth, you are still there. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee God? from you, you're always there. And Paul gets this revelation in the midst of his hardships, in the midst of his pressure. He says, but he, he gets a revelation. See, when you get a revelation, you have a reason to keep going. You're gonna live to tell the story, but you need a revelation today. I'm preaching in this studio, I'm sweating in this hoodie, shouting at you because I'm trying to get something to break in your life. You need a revelation in order to have a reason to keep going. Watch what Paul says. Verse nine, Luke, go back to it. There's a big but there. Can you just start right there? But, but what, but what? But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is the whole sermon. I just spent the last 40 minutes trying to get to this verse. I've been, I've been sweating to get to this. This is the whole sermon. This is Paul's why. Paul gives all this stuff. And then he says, yo, I almost died, we almost failed, we faced suffering, but, but this happened. Why? So that we would not rely on ourselves, but on God. Could have said it this way, this had to happen. Put that in the chat, this had to happen. It had to happen this way. I had to go through that trial. I had to face that tribulation. I had to face that difficulty. I had to fall down. I had to fail. I had to get sick. I had to lose that relationship. It had to happen. Why? So that I could realize something. What does realize mean? It means I had to get a revelation. What was the revelation that Paul was in need of? Paul was in need of the revelation that guess what? I can't rely on myself. I have to rely upon God. And until I faced the suffering, I was simply relying upon myself. But when pain hit my life, that's when I became reliant upon God. What is Paul doing? What's Paul doing? Paul is defining his why. Why? 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 Paul says, uh, why, Paul? Why praise? Because he brings comfort. Why does he bring comfort? He brings comfort because it's, it's what I need to bring comfort to those that are suffering. Why do you have to go through suffering? Well, because at times you're going to face death sentences, but you got to learn to speak a life sentence. Why do you have to speak a life sentence? Well, because all this happened so that I could realize that I'm not in control, that God's in control. And it made me more reliant more dependent upon him. What is Paul doing? Paul is defining his why and putting Christ at the center. Paul's making a deliberate decision to say, this is why this, this had to happen. I had to fail in Asia. I had to suffer in Asia. It all had to happen that I might be more dependent upon him. And you gotta ask yourself the question, because like I just, I'm a kind of, probably more a cynic at times or a critic, I should say, not a cynic, but a critic at times. I'm going, really? Paul, is that really why it happened? And maybe you're watching, is that really why it happened? Cool answer, Paul. Here's the revelation God gave me. Um, it doesn't really matter why it happened. It doesn't really even matter if you believe why it happened. The only thing that matters is if Paul believed why it happened. That's what you gotta get. 
instead of continuing to try to figure out the why, I want you right now to define your why. It doesn't matter what everybody else says. It matters what you believe. Paul wasn't just trying to give us a universal truth, although it is a universal truth. Paul was specifically speaking from his struggle in his revelation. And so you and I can look at it and say, yo, but that looks like God's bad. And yo, that looks like there's difficulty. But for Paul, it's like, you can say whatever you want to say. This had to happen. If this didn't happen, I wouldn't have been dependent on God in the way that I am. And so now I'm glad that it happened. I'm thankful that it happened because it's developed a deeper foundation for my relationship with God. Listen to me, instead of trying to define why it happened, start defining why you believe it happened. What's your why? What's your why? I think, you know, I've been ever since 11 weeks ago, I've been hearing people, preachers, all sorts of people tell the whole world why COVID-19 happened. I gotta be honest with you, I think that's really, really dangerous. Really dangerous. Why do I think it's dangerous? Because we don't know why it happened. You and I have no clue why God has allowed this plague to take place. We don't know why it happened. And so I think it's dangerous to just give people answers that we don't have the answer to. And while I think it's dangerous to blanket a why for the whole world, I think it is extremely important and one of the wisest things that you can do for you to define personally why you believe it happened. That's what we need. We all need a personal why. We all need to find why this happened. Why do we personally believe that this happened? You know, it was Viktor Frankl. If you don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he wrote a beautiful book on man's search for meaning. And Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor. Viktor Frankl went through awful things in concentration camps, lost his wife, lost his parents, lost siblings. I mean, he writes about some of the horrific moments he went through with torture and pain and suffering. Yet one of Viktor Frankl's most powerful principles was the idea of a, of a mind that's free that no matter what they even did to his physical body because he had the ability to maintain his thoughts. His thoughts could create feelings and although his thoughts could lie to him, he could speak out a life sentence. And Viktor Frankl survived and went on to write incredible books and contributed so much to society. But one of my favorite quotes from Viktor Frankl, and I've been thinking about it since week one of quarantine, and I believe it's gonna help you. It's what Paul is saying right here. Viktor Frankl says, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. Those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. It doesn't matter what happens to me. As long as I continue to define why this is happening, then I can continue to move forward. But if I continue to put my, myself at the center of that why, if I put my fear at the center of that why, if I put condemnation at the center of that why, I'm gonna be disappointed, I'm gonna be discouraged, ultimately I'm gonna be derailed. But if I will continue to put God, Jesus, Christ, faith at the center of this why, I believe that we'll be propelled and we'll live to tell a story of God's goodness and God's mercy. And Paul, he stops, he gives them all the news. He praises God. He recognizes that he is being used by God. He pronounces a life sentence, but he says this had to happen that we might become more dependent upon God. Paul got a revelation and because he got a revelation, he had a reason to move forward. And some of you right now, as we finish out this collection, you need a reason to keep moving. You need a reason to stay married. You need a reason to keep being a dad, to keep being a loving mom. You need a reason to keep being faithful. You need a reason to keep on serving. You need a reason to get back up again. And that reason comes from your why. Why? Paul, he says it beautiful. He finishes 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He has Jesus. Jesus has delivered us from such deadly peril and he will deliver us on him. We have set our hope and he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Oh, I like that. Paul is saying, yo, I got this revelation. I've created a why. I don't want to blanket a why for the whole world, but I want to define a why for my life. 
Why did Rich Wilkerson Jr. and Don Cherie Wilkerson and Wyatt Wilkerson and Wild Wilkerson, why have we gone through COVID-19? What are we learning? Who are we becoming? Let me define some of it for Food Church. I don't want to tell the whole world, but for those in this community, why have we gone through this? I'm not quite sure, but I think one of the reasons is that it could redefine and remind us that church is not a place. Church is a people. I think we went through this. Why? So that we could sharpen our pastoral skills, that we could make sure that we're taking care of the needs of real people. I think maybe we went through this so that we could could redefine how we're developing and sharing content coming to you by way of technology. I think we went through this so we could activate technology that right now as I'm preaching, it's not just people in Miami, Florida, but God said, no, here comes COVID-19. I want the voice of Voo Church, not just to be in a city, not just to be in a zip code, but I want it to go all around the world. And if we didn't go through COVID-19, you wouldn't even be hearing me preach right now. That's why this happened. Well, I don't believe that, Rich. You don't have to believe it. I gotta believe it. I need a revelation. I need a reason to keep going. And Paul, he comes to his close and he says, he has delivered us from such deadly peril. And this is the beautiful thing because God's telling a story. And we started out going, well, bad things happen. God can't be good. But sometimes bad things have to happen so that you can know that God is good. See, struggles are what create the story. And Paul comes to the closing remarks and he's like, yo, he delivered us. But how many know if Paul didn't face the hardship and the pressure, he wouldn't know that God was a deliverer. It's the same for you and the same for me. If I never got sick, friend, I would not know that God was a healer. It's my sickness that indicates to me that God can heal. If I never got attacked, I would have no idea that my God can protect. If I never got afraid, I would never ever know that God, He is the defender of the righteous. If I never messed up, how would I ever know that God is a forgiver? If I never failed, how would I ever learn that God is a teacher? If I never got uncomfortable, how would I ever know the comfort of God? Paul comes and he has faced near-death experiences. But he writes some 2,000 years ago to you and I, and he has said that I have defined my why by putting Christ at the center of my why. I have chosen to activate my faith. Therefore, this is the story that I am pronouncing. It's not a story of resentment. It's a story of a faithful God. He's saying, I lived to tell about it. And I want you to know you're going to live to tell about it. But choose right now, what's the story you're going to share? Choose right now how you're going to convey the truth. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your voice. I believe this is the word of the Lord. I believe this is what we're singing about today. You're going to live to tell about it. Come on, sing it out now. Come on. Come on. from right now, wherever you're watching from right now. If you're at your house, your live stream, stand up on your feet right now. Because we need persistent praise. Because as I praise Him, His comfort hits my life. If I praise Him more, I would worry less. You're going to live to tell the story. You're going to live to tell the story. But you got to be a person who praises God. What is praise? It's admiration. It's approval of God. God, I approve 
of the good stuff. I approve of even the bad stuff. God, I approve of the things I understand. I approve of the things I don't even understand. I like that little chorus that says, oh, the wonder of the cross. Come on, Ashley. Can you just sing that out for everybody who's watching right now? The cross holds the power of our peace. The Father's heart revealed on Calvary. Yes. Emmanuel, forever God with us. The world has never seen a great love. The world has never seen a great love. He's with you. He's with you. He's Emmanuel. He's with you. Even at the bottom, He's with you. He's with you. You're going to live to tell the story. Today, your head's bowed. Maybe if you're with some other people, you could just take a moment. If you're by yourself, it's just, I want you to remove distractions. That's what I've been saying all day, that the more you engage, the more I think you're gonna get out of this message. But right now, it's just a, it's a moment with you and God. I know I'm not in your house with you, but I feel like what the, the presence we're experiencing in here right now, I, I believe in your experience in it, wherever you're watching from. Lord loves you. Lord has a plan for you. Just because you're going through something that's bad doesn't mean that he's bad. Today, can you reframe your why? Can you put Christ at the center of it? Can you make this a story about God's glory? If you get this revelation right now, this, this had to happen. doesn't matter what other people say. Why do you say it happened? I believe that you're gonna move forward. Get a life sentence. Get a life sentence. Right there, wherever you're watching this, let me just pray for you, Lord. I just thank you for your people. I thank you for everyone who's watching today. I don't know where they're watching from. I don't know where they're tuning in from. But Lord, you see them and you know them and you love them. I'm praying that the God of all comfort who comforts us in all trouble would meet them right now on the other end of this TV screen, the other end of this device. Lord, wrap your comfort around them. Lord, comfort is the best when we're uncomfortable and so many are uncomfortable today. It's happening in the chat. People are are recognizing right now that your presence is here. Lord, comfort people. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, may it guard our hearts, our minds in Christ Jesus. Do a work right now, Holy Spirit. Do a work right now, Holy Spirit. Do a work, Holy Spirit. Meet us where we are. Thank you, Jesus. Right there, wherever you're at, I don't know if you've ever met Jesus before, but this whole message is about releasing and surrendering God's not looking for strength. He's looking for surrender. And I just, I'm surrendering to the sovereignty of God. I have responsibility, but I believe that God's in control. I, I believe that I'm gonna keep reframing it. I'm gonna keep telling myself a life sentence that God is up to something. I'm gonna keep speaking faith out. But if you don't know Jesus, you can't do that. It just becomes, it just becomes like positive statements. It just becomes like this, let me just do better and think better. It, it, you, you need a supernatural work to take place. You need salvation to hit your home. God loves you. God has a beautiful plan for you. But you must surrender to him today. Wherever you're watching this from, I don't know what country you're tuning in from, but if that's you, can I just lead you in this simple prayer? Just pray this prayer out loud. The Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I am wrong. I admit that I need a savior. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. So I receive everything you did at the cross. And I believe that you are who you said that you are. Today, I'm putting my trust in you. I wanna follow you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Come on, if you believe that, somebody put your hands together, give God some praise. Come on, somebody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, right now, people, I've just made huge decisions. I just want you in the chat right now, just in the chat, just say, I have decided, I have decided. If you just prayed that prayer, just say, I have decided, I have decided. Just put that right now in the chat. There's a link on whatever browser you're on, whatever device that just says decision. I just want you to fill that information out because we wanna get a Bible in your hand. We wanna resource you. We wanna go on the journey of faith with you. We wanna be the community of God. And listen, I don't know where you're at right now, but I got a feeling this message is not just for you. But I really believe that if you'll share this message, if you'll like this message, if you'll subscribe to whatever platform, we can get this word out to so many more people. That's the cool thing right now about technology, that this message can live on, 
that we can go and encourage someone. So if you know someone who's discouraged, if you know someone right now who's asking that question, why? Man, get this message out to them. This is part six of our collection, the story you tell yourself. And our team, they wrote this beautiful song and it's called, This Is Our Story. I just wanna sing that bridge again as we're going out. And I want you in your house to sing it out loud with us because this is what we believe. We keep singing, sing it out now. This is our story, sing it out now. This is our reason why. What's our reason why? Well, we're defining it. We're putting Christ at the center. So come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, team. Let's sing it with everything we got. Come on, church online. Come on. Sing it out yes, now. This is our story. Yes, God. Sing it out now. This is yes, our Lord. reason why King Jesus, come on. Hey. our Savior, Love you. way the truth collides. Come on. Sing it out now. Give Him all glory. Sing it yes, out now. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.